0: Chicks in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now, your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hello, everyone. Hi.
1: <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Two White Chicks in China. Uh, this is episode 144. We're still going. (laughs) We are. We are going strong, even though we are recording from opposite sides of the world, or at least it feels we are many, many miles apart.
0: (laughs) We're definitely many miles apart. I mean, I'm literally on the other side of the world from you right now, Holly, and it doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon. My one-week vacation to Wisconsin has turned into almost six months now. (laughs) We are living in a crazy world right
1: now, but, um, but we're, still, we're still churning out the podcasts, even though they are a little bit, you know, far apart, I
0: guess. We really thank everybody who's sticking with us, and we will be continuing despite all that's happening, and we know that some of you may have had plans to go to China, which are now on hold, and what a better opportunity to learn more before you go uh, than now, So take advantage and listen through some of our old episodes or do some Chinese study and just prep yourself because the world will get back to the way things were (laughs) eventually and um, then you'll be better prepped for your trip. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: On that note, uh, we just want to thank everyone who uh, has left us a review. Um, You can uh, you can do that very easily now by checking our show notes. Um, There's a link. Um, And you can just tap the link and leave us a review, however, you know, the easiest way possible. And uh, also, again, to everyone who is supporting us on Patreon. um, It really helps us. We've, you know, got our new mics, although uh, Nora's using hers, but I'm not yet. But that will change soon.
0: (laughs) Yep, her mic is here, and I meant to bring it back (laughs) as soon as I got back to China. But it's probably going to literally travel around the world before coming back to you because we'll probably end up going somewhere in Europe before we're able to get back in China so it's gonna (laughs)
1: it's
0: it's gonna have its own
1: little adventure
0: it's cool (laughs) yeah it's gonna be well traveled by the time (laughs) it reaches you Holly yeah
1: all right so uh let's let's jump in Laura do you have a fact about China for us
0: I do and it's actually something that I feel very positive about during Mm. these uncertain times and that's, um, you know, they've been revamping the work permit situation for foreigners in the past couple years, and there's always talk about things changing. Um, but the the one thing that I can definitely see changing is that the standards are becoming more and more clear and understandable and not so murky and so it makes it easier to understand actually what's available and what it means and so i just saw this recent article from um, a wechat account called gic expat and i believe that this wechat channel is or you know wechat official account is run by HiredChina.com, and so it oh, says yeah. that guide, guide in china right Oh, is Guide in China. That's right, Guide in China. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering what GIC expats stood for. <laughs> so I think, yeah, Guide in China is run by Hired China, which they their whole purpose is to try to make it easier to understand what's going on with the employment scene in China, and I'm really grateful for their information. So it says that um, so now they have these different classes of visas, and uh, this one's talking specifically about the Class A and Class B B, Uh, so this one's taught and it gives very specific information because before they were talking about opening up these different work permits for professionals, but the idea of a professional and the idea of a highly valued professional is very subjective. So we actually had no idea what that meant. Did we qualify? for that. What are the qualifications? If you've won a Nobel Prize, that one always seems to work out (laughs) for you to get a classification. But for those of us who are not Nobel laureates, it's kind of difficult to understand (laughs) what the requirements are. So right now, um, if you want to get a class A or class B work permit, it's based off of your salary. And the rule is the salary needs to be uh, no less than six times the average social wage of the region. So six times the average social wage of the region will get you a Class A visa, whereas four times the the average of the region will get you a Class B. So that means, for example, in Shenzhen, the average monthly salary for a professional is about 10000 or 10500 something like that. Yeah. So if you want to get a Class A, then you need to have about 60000 Per month, wow. and if you want to get a Class B, you have about forty thousand per month. Um, wow. So that's Shenzhen. You know, salaries, wages are pretty high already in Shenzhen, but I'm sure in other cities in China, it's quite a bit lower. So it's probably easier to qualify. Uh, and if you're relocating, a lot of times those packages are pretty good. Like they usually pay similar to, for example, what you'd be paid in the UK or what you'd be paid in the US. So you may qualify for these different visa classes so at least we get a clear idea for what this means
1: that's really useful but what's so if you have an A or B visa does it change like what does it change anything I mean what does it make any difference compared to like a standard work visa it
0: doesn't say it doesn't say that there are any you know per- say perks to having mm. that permit I imagine the class that you're in probably makes the whole renewal process smoother. If you're class A, it's probably super simple, and I'm assuming you would get a longer visa. Obviously, these are assumptions, but they've been making some moves to make it easier for, as I said, this this idea of a highly qualified foreign individual to be able to stay in China for longer. And it said something about re- remuneration. Remuneration. Wait, how do you say that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it said something about it said something about remuneration, um, and I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, it may mean that there are housing and li- living expense packages for these kind of class workers. Again, I have limited yes. information in this article, but this is more than what I've seen in other articles, which just gives you like a very general idea for what it means to be a class A, class B, or class C visa uh, holder. So at least mm-hmm. we get a little bit more insight and hopefully more and more information will come out about that when they open the borders again. Even for, let's call
1: it standard work visa, the, they have definitely improved the process for applying or if you change a job, the transfer process is
0: way easier than it used to be. Definitely. Yeah, I'm always shocked now when I go in because I've just been basically trained to fear this whole process because from the beginning, I I just remember my first week in China. Actually, the first couple weeks in China were spent just sorting out my visa, like literally just being sent from one office to the other office, from one end of the city to the other end of the city. And I was actually (laughs) – when I got a job in Shenzhen – It was quite difficult to get a Shenzhen visa, and so I was actually sent to Liaoning province, which is, like, way up by North Korea, and I spent, like, three weeks stuck there trying to process my visa, like, in the frigid cold of (laughs) northeast China, just trying to process my visa for Shenzhen, like, on the other side of the country. Just... Yeah, so like them sending me to the other side of the country was easier than processing my visa in Shenzhen.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really insane. Yeah, I, I had the same experience with my first
1: visa. Also just going backwards and forwards so many times. Just It was just unreal. But now you just go to one place and it's very simple. Or at least it feels like it is anyway.
0: And doing the children's visa is also a piece of cake. Once you have all the documentation, you just walk in and submit, walk out, and there's really not a whole lot of hassle to it. I mean, it does take a little bit of effort to figure out all the things that you need, but once you have that figured out, people were even almost friendly at the office when I turned in my paperwork, (laughs) which is such a huge change because historically in china those government jobs just like in the u.s i don't know how it is in the uk holly but a lot of times those government jobs like dmv postal worker those like classic government right. jobs are usually done by very grumpy individuals
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i'm not sure about in the uk to be honest but yeah i mean just from i guess my experience of seeing things on films and tv yeah i uh, i get that impression <laughs> for sure <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're one step closer to understanding what's going on in terms of the visa process. I know right now, though, my visa got um, canceled. So even though it's still valid, yes. it is canceled. And as I understand, Holly, so you're in China. I'm outside of China. Mm-hmm. If you leave yeah. China, your visa is canceled at this time.
1: Yeah, they. Um, you probably know more information than I do. But my, from my understanding, if you left china before a certain date i think it was sometime in march your visa is
0: cancelled but they're allowing you to reapply right well not right now because they won't allow you to go back yeah so we need to wait for them to open the borders to be able to apply because i i'd heard that
1: um this is just complete rumor. i haven't actually read anything that um the government had started to like send documents for people to try like start to reapply but I I don't know I I don't know if that's just certain countries or if that's a complete just uh, just an absolute rumor I'm not sure
0: I'm sure that it's gonna vary for countries especially Mm, you know the U.S. now we can't even get into Europe so because yeah our infection rate is pretty high I understand being cautious but i think to your point that china will because i've heard like with germany for example they've been really trying to make efforts to because there's a lot of business between china and germany so they've been you know making efforts to allow for chartered flights so it's not like a tourist from germany could come to china but chartered flights for business business execs um although the first flight that they sent over, there was somebody infected with COVID on the plane. So that caused a panic and kind of there was a setback there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, it was the same. There have been, I don't know if this is the same uh, situ- like situation, but there was a second international flight uh, that was meant to fly into Chengdu. And there were a handful of cases uh on that flight too so it seems like they're trying but it unfortunately hasn't been very successful yet
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. well other than covid is there anything else happening in the news holly <laughs> um this is a,
1: a an old article really but i i just really loved it and i i'm gonna uh put the link in our show notes because the um you really need to see the photos of this um so this is about a, a farmer in Hebei. Who has spent um, seventeen years growing trees into chairs? <laughs> so what? he's basically, yeah, he's basically growing his own furniture. And uh, he was uh, this man is uh, about sixty-seven now, and he was seen on uh, online on by pair video, which I I've never heard of. But uh, he's basically growing trees, and then he uh manipulates the tree so they grow into a piece of furniture specifically tree uh specifically chairs basically it's one tree that turns into a chair there's no assembly it's just naturally grown so it creates a chair and they they look really amazing
0: okay I'm frantically googling right now because (laughs) I want to see an image of this right now oh my gosh Oh, you see it? this looks different than what I would have imagined. So I was thinking it was going to be, I don't know why I was thinking this, but I didn't imagine the branches to have leaves on them. <laughs> I don't know what kind of trees were going on in my brain, but I was just imagining kind of like a bonsai right? style. like Because I've <laughs> seen them doing bonsai trees where they have two, either they have like, two sections of the same tree or they have two trees like entwined together to make kind of a rope like thing but now that I'm seeing the actual image it's still a tree like it's not just the branches like it's still a full-on tree it it looks like a wooden chair that has basically been planted inside of a bush (laughs) that's that's how I would describe (laughs) what I'm looking at right now that is awesome yeah, he um, the guy.
1: Um, he wants to. He ha- he has a hope of building what he's he, he called an uh, ecological furniture cultural village in the future. But if he's gro- if he's been doing this for seventeen years, I'm not sure how long it's going to take him to build a village.
0: Yeah, I wonder furniture. how many shares he'll make. I mean, he just not doesn't look like a young guy, does he?
1: No, no, no. He isn't. No.
0: Yeah. Before we go on, I just want to say if the if you can hear some strange noises in the background,
1: my dog is snoring. Uh, I <laughs> he's just behind me, so you may hear some like strange grunts. So I'm sorry about that.
0: <laughs> You're probably getting some ambience from my end too, because there's like a pitter patter <laughs> yeah. of little. I'm in the lower level of, of our house, and there's a pitter patter of feet in the upper level going back and forth. <laughs> oh man. Wow! Wow! Okay, now I'm scrolling down to see more images of these chairs, and some of them look more like what I had imagined. So, so he does mm-hmm. cut them because I was gonna ask because the images that they show yes. with him like sitting in the tree, in the tr- in the tree, it looks like um
1: you know those kind of seats that you find on like a porch, right? But it's in that bush, as you said before. But yeah, he does I, he does eventually like cut them out, uh, and so they can be used not in a bush. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was going to be my question because I was going to say, this tree looks pretty cemented in place. I mean, yeah. it doesn't look like it would be easy to move or transplant. So you would have to cut it down in order to use a tra- chair in another location.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah, I guess his, his next step really needs to be like a table.
1: Oh. Because I think right now it's just chairs. <laughs> so we're kind of, we're a little limited right now. But it's still awesome.
0: It's awesome, but it does not look very comfortable, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. But I love the concept. And those are probably pretty expensive chairs.
1: Yeah, I, nothing in the article said anything about him selling them, but I can imagine people re- like, you know, getting on board with the whole ecological furniture idea. I think it's great.
0: I'll bet you they would last forever because there's no joints or... Right. or anything it's just one piece of wood basically so that's really really cool yeah
1: yeah absolutely shall we move on to the uh to our question
0: yes listeners definitely check out that link (laughs) yeah yeah
1: definitely I'll put it in the show notes you'll be able to see the show notes in the the app that you use to listen to the show but um you can also go to writtenchinese.com episode 144 and uh, there'll be a link to that, uh, that article. We have a really interesting question from, from Mike uh, this week. I, I guess I don't want to preface it too much. Maybe we should just, li- we should just listen to the question and then get into it. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Ni hao, Mike K. from Michigan here, longtime listener, first-time caller. There's a movie playing in the States called The Farewell. It's a comedy drama about a Chinese family, and I had a couple questions about some points in the movie. The movie was about a grandmother who has cancer, but nobody tells her, not even her doctor. Is this a common practice with older people in China? The other was, the youngest son was essentially forced to get married to give a reason for the family to get together to see the grandmother. You talked about arranged marriages before, but would something like this really happen? The movie was really good, but I was wondering if these two points were supposed to be funny or not. Glad you're back on the air. Sai (laughs) Jen.
0: Thanks so much, Mike, for sending in a voicemail. It's so nice to hear people's voices and it just makes it feel like there's some kind of a connection between the audience, which is really, really cool for us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's
1: a, it's a really great question as well. I had actually heard about this movie last year and it was on my list to watch. So I'm, I'm really glad that um, with Mike's question that I, was, I had a reason to, to watch it. <laughs>
0: Me too. I feel like I'm not as exposed to Chinese cinema as I should be, considering we talk about China and the culture in China. I'm just not as motivated. So it's been, it was also really nice for me to have a specific purpose in watching a film from China. So I love this idea. So if you have been wanting to write in with your questions about China, this movie idea is, is cool. Like we were even thinking about making a a series of doing kind of a movie review for, of Chinese cinema Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would,
1: um, I'm on the same. I I really haven't watched very many Chinese movies. I think you've definitely watched more than I have. I really enjoyed it. What about you?
0: I also enjoyed it. I thought it was, you know, it definitely felt authentically Chinese. You know, the, the shots in China, I'm sure, were from China. Just the apartments, everything was very, very authentic. I don't think it was like a Hollywood movie set if if it no. was they did a really excellent job because it really seemed like it was filmed in China I don't really know about you know the background behind where it was made mm-hmm. but it felt very authentic I thought the acting was so so <laughs> oh, really? I wasn't super I... yeah okay
1: I, no, I I thought I thought it was I thought it was pretty good I thought there was I I don't know I felt um I, I was really like, moved, like, really emotionally moved. I think I spent, like, most of the movie in tears. Oh, <laughs> um, But, yeah, you're right with it being, like, quite authentic. And actually, this is... It's based on a true story. There's that beginning credits where it says, based on a true lie. This is actually a story based on the director. The director is, is called Lulu Wang. And this is based on her actual experience with her own grandmother. Yeah, the it's actually shot... In her grandmother's neighborhood, and uh even more that the 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 lady who plays uh little Nai Nai, like the grandmother's sister, is actually Lulu Wang's own aunt. So
0: really, because m- yeah, I so thought maybe- she was one of the best actresses. Like I thought she was one of the <laughs> right. best actors in the movie, and she. So I wonder, she must. I don't know. She she must be an actress herself, or just has a natural talent. Because I thought actually her acting, compared with the main character, the younger girl. Yeah. She. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So her her real name is uh, Nora Lum, but she her stage name is Aquafina. And I have actually seen her in a, another movie, and uh, it, it was a you know they've tried to do these like Jumanji reboots. She's she's in one of those movies. But she was in. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Crazy Rich a- Asians. She's also in that movie. That made, uh, like did quite well.
0: I actually still haven't seen it. Oh, we should no, definitely do that for if yeah, if we run out of th- questions from the audience. I think doing <laughs> film reviews would yeah. be really fun. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So she she's actually like uh, half Korean, half Chinese, and I like I, you could tell that her Mandarin wasn't native but she has actually studied mandarin uh when she was younger she actually studied in beijing um so i I guess she has some some
0: knowledge of the language but you could definitely tell that it wasn't uh natural that may have been part of my issue with the the acting of it is i think it's hard when it's not you know when you're not fluent in a language to try to act in that language because you may not understand exactly every syllable what's being said some of the lines may have mm-hmm. more been memorized just from the sounds and so that may have kind of for me maybe stunted her acting a little bit because i i thought that the like the grandmother character and the grandmother's sister were great mm-hmm. yes um, I, but i, totally I didn't agree. yeah yeah but i didn't love her her performance and maybe it's just because it mm-hmm. was stunted because of the language barrier i think she did a good job with the mandarin yeah. i mean it was weird like it's ah, it's awkward to listen to when yeah you speak mandarin yourself and you you just hear those mistakes and it's a little bit like fingernails on a chalkboard <laughs> kind of thing but it's a lot yeah. better than i started watching this series on netflix called the politician and the oh, character yeah. i haven't seen it uh-huh i just I've, i don't know if i'm gonna keep watching it because there's actually yeah. quite a lot of mandarin dialogue because the characters are oh, really you know like learning mandarin because they're going to harvard oh. and you know these top-notch universities so they're all studying mandarin and the mandarin is so bad and like one of the main <laughs> actors is supposed to be a mandarin tutor but hearing him speak in mandarin it just it gets under my skin and then I'm like, maybe I should become a Mandarin tutor for the stars of Hollywood because <laughs> they're not doing yeah. it very well. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, for me, like the language thing, I felt like was part of that, like dichotomy, like that contrast between the West and the East that is like you see throughout the movie. So for me, like, I, I, I totally understand like what you're saying about the, hearing the, like, the way she speaks, it's not, it's, it doesn't have that, like, natural sound, um, but I felt like that reflected her situation, like, she doesn't even speak Mandarin with her parents, and live, like, she's obviously lived in the, in the U.S. for many, many years, and it seems like she only speaks Mandarin, really, when she has to, with her family members, and even, Mm -hmm. you know, you see several scenes where, she even she has to ask like what are you, like what are you talking about or you know she in the there's a scene in the hospital where she has to ask the father like how do you say this word in Chinese like you you can tell she can have like a basic conversation with her grandmother but beyond that it's her her Chinese obviously isn't at a an advanced level.
0: I agree. Mm. I also found it very touching to see like probably one of my favorite parts were when they were doing the exercises in the park yeah that cultural divide was really interesting because her grandmother was so seriously doing these exercises which to us in the west just look really ridiculous so Mm -hmm. then the granddaughter is kind of caught between the cultures. so she's doing it but she's doing it with kind of a a you know a a glimmer in her eye like she's kind of almost sarcastically doing it but still participating in it and so I thought that was really telling of the cultural difference between Mm -hmm. the east and the west and how she was kind of straddling both sides
1: yeah absolutely I um one of the sort of notes I made was about that that scene that one of those first scenes in the in the hotel where the where she she goes to the hotel and the hotel manager starts to ask all those questions and I just I had so many sort of memories of that I mean, different scenario because she's obviously she was born in China, but the, like being asked so many questions about where you're from and like what what like like which do you prefer which is better like China or or uh, America like which what you know what do you think about China and this kind of thing? Uh, I I thought that was a really interesting scene.
0: How many times have you been asked that question, Holly? <laughs> which is better? I, I mean count countless even even now like and it's it's
1: such an like it's it's not an awkward question um it's just a it's a funny it's a funny one really it's like I can't imagine in in the west like anyone asking me that like which you know which do you prefer um right which would better? you go it's... up to a
0: Chinese person and ask them which is better China or the UK <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Yeah>. I wouldn't <laughs> no <laughs> yeah I've had that question numerous times too and Yeah, that one goes along with the how much money do you make question, as one of the most frequently asked questions. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) From strangers. (laughs) So, regarding Mike's question, Mm. he asked, he kind of asked two questions whether or not this is a common practice with older people to hide information about their health. What do you think about that, Holly? So, when I
1: first like heard mike's question to be honest i knew nothing about this we we've talked a little bit about death like in, in chinese culture we had an episode a long long time ago where we talked about honoring the dead obviously it's a, it's a slightly different topic but i think we are aware that death in general is quite a taboo subject um, if you want to, by the way, listen to that episode, that was episode uh, 62, where we talked about uh, funerals and that kind of thing. But I honestly had absolutely no idea, basically, because, how, I mean, really, how would you ever know? Because <laughs> no one's really going to talk about it unless you know someone who's very open about these things.
0: Right. Mike asked whether or not this is something that's supposed to be funny. And it's to me, it's definitely not. I think... Based on my experience, again, as people view death and sickness as extremely taboo topics, it is difficult to gather. I mean, you wouldn't want to ask people directly about this kind of information. It's just really sensitive and private. Um, and people just really shy away from talking about this. Even like my close, closer Chinese friends, I wouldn't want to discuss this with so, but based off what I've seen and heard, I think this is a very realistic scenario. I think it's very common for the family to take charge of, especially an elder person or a child. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that this is not an uncommon practice not to tell them. And I personally have mixed feelings about it. I, I feel like before yeah. coming to China, I, my immediate reaction would be, oh, that's not fair. You know, they have a right to know it's their health. But... After spending a lot of time in another, I guess, like way of doing things like this kind of collective culture, I completely understand Mm -hmm. the logic behind it and the merits behind it. And I personally would not if I heard somebody was doing this to their grandmother, I would understand and I wouldn't Mm -hmm. feel like they were treating their grandmother unfairly by doing this.
1: Yeah, I feel the same. And I feel like Billy, the the main character in the movie, she also kind of goes through that transition. Like she initially, she, I mean, so we know she spent most of her uh, life in the U.S., so she has the Western uh, mindset. But during her time, she does kind of begin to understand. And towards the end, she realizes, I feel like there's some sense of like, you know, this is to you know, for the good of the family and this kind of thing. Um, I actually, like, found some articles about this topic. Um, uh, I found a really interesting one called To Tell or Not the Chinese Doctor's Dilemma on Disclosure of a Cancer Diagnosis to the Patient. <laughs> um, oh! So this is, yeah, it was, it was actually a really interesting uh, article. They interviewed uh, physicians in Shan, uh, Shandong province, uh, they interviewed 180 physicians and 98% of physicians said that they would choose to inform the family first, but not the patient. And this is based on the intentions of the family members. This is what the family members would want and they would conceal the diagnosis to the patient. And 82% of them said they, they would not tell the patient if the family requested that they didn't. So it seems like, it's it. I mean, based on this... It is a common thing not to tell the patient, for sure.
0: <laughs> I wonder how it stands legally. I don't, I mean, I think in the US it's pretty clear you can't disclose information to the patient's family without the permission mm-hmm. of the patient. So you need yeah. to tell the patient first and then they decide what to do with that information. But I'm assuming in China there are no such laws. Uh, yeah I assume so I didn't I, I actually found a couple of articles
1: but they were they were very, very long and uh, so I didn't I, did, I couldn't find the information I wanted but I, I actually found something interesting about uh, in the West so even back like this is a study in the was back in the 1960s, but medical professionals in western countries also had similar attitudes. Um, there was a study done in 1961. Uh, and 90% of doctors said they wouldn't inform the patient of a cancer diagnosis. And some even deliberately changed the diagnosis to avoid even mentioning cancer. And I mean, obviously, that's a long time ago. But in the West, we also did something similar to... I, I, I guess the reasons are different, though. I feel like it's more of the case of people didn't want to actually mention the the C word <laughs> rather than it being a case of, you know, the the family kind of takes precedence over the individual.
0: I wonder how it's changed too, how it will change in China when they have mm-hmm. more treatment available. Right. I don't know how common chemotherapy and radiation is in China compared mm-hmm. with the West. So I wonder also, because if you don't have those kind of practices, then, then I feel like just... Having cancer is pretty much a death sentence if you're not going to try anything to, to intervene. Yeah. So I understand that if you know that the patient doesn't have a chance for survival, I, I, I also like it, made me really think about what I would want. If mm-hmm. I, on the one hand, I feel like it would be such a huge burden for my family to yeah. know and not tell me. Uh, But on the other hand, I also feel like knowing really just how do you... I don't even know how... I actually had the unfortunate... And you did too, Holly. We had a mutual friend who went through this and eventually did pass away in China. And I wonder how the end of his life would have been different if he he hadn't known. Mm -hmm. You know, he would have known he was getting sicker, obviously, but... I wonder if he would have yes. skipped some of the the treatments that he had done if the last few years of his life would have mm-hmm. been happier. So it's it's really it's really a thinker. <laughs> That's all yeah. that I can say.
1: No, absolutely, and I think there's this idea of that if the person doesn't know there is there's less like emotional stress, which I which I think is I mean basically. Similar to what you're saying, like if the person doesn't know, then they they just live life as they would have done before. I found that in the movie, the the mom, Billy's mom, she says uh, Chinese people have a saying: when people get cancer, they die, but it's not the cancer that kills them; it's the fear. Um, I thought that was mm. like, I thought that was a really telling quote because I don't think it's relevant to, Ch- to Chinese culture. I, I don't know. I don't know what you, I don't know what you think about that. But I, I thought it was a, a really interesting quote
0: what do you mean it's not relevant to Chinese culture no
1: no not just not just relevant i I think this idea that yeah like this you know like the stre- the stress the stress on uh, the, the person the idea that you know for some people the idea that they're leaving especially I mean this is a different situation because it's about an older person but i think for younger people when they know they're going to leave like a, a husband or a wife with children and this kind of thing like leaving them with the responsibility i think that that is fear in a way that this they don't know what's going to happen when they when they go they don't know what's going to happen definitely yeah. yeah so mike's like second question was about the the arranged marriage so when I, like when i first read about the movie and then when i watched it i felt like the, the the wedding or the the marriage was just like in the background you remember that scene in the where they go to the to have the photographs taken I thought it was really it really said a lot that they were the the bride and the groom or the bride and groom-to-be were were basically just in the background while Billy and the grandma were, were talking about really like Quite serious things, and there were, you know, there was this, all these like uncomfortable scenarios because neither of them spoke Chinese, and they were having to do all these like pauses for their wedding photos. So, for, like for me, the the wedding that that theme was just like a in the background. It wasn't like the really important part of the movie. But I I wasn't for me I wasn't really sure if it was like arranged because I felt like they were in it together. Like, they knew that they were doing it for a
0: reason. I also wasn't really sure when watching it whether or not the marriage was real. Or if the whole Mm. ceremony was a fake. Maybe I have to watch the movie a second time. But the girl was from Korea or Japan. She was Japanese, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wasn't sure whether or not they had hired her. Because she didn't really have... She had, like, her mom there. But there wasn't really any of her other family so, I also wondered whether she was hired by the family and they chose somebody who was a foreigner so that she wouldn't have to actively lie to the grandmother. You know, it would just be easier if they couldn't communicate. So, yeah, I, maybe, I also, maybe. yeah, I don't know whether or not this was a real. Uh, I mean, on the other hand, they did all that in front of all of their family and friends. So, it uh-huh. would be odd later on yes. for yes. this boy, the man to have uh, another marriage after that. You know, I feel like his yeah. hopes of having another marriage after that, or at least another wedding celebration of the sort mm-hmm. are gone. Yes. Mike was asking whether or not it was realistic, you know, would this kind of arranged marriage happen? And I again, I could see this happening. I could definitely see this happening. People in China are really pragmatic. You know, they will do <laughs> right. and sacrifice for the good of the family, and so this mm-hmm. would not surprise me at all if this were yeah. an actual marriage that happened.
1: Yeah, and you you don't see like as you know you you watch for the majority of the movie there the bride and groom to be are basically just background characters for a lot of it, but then you see that scene dur- like at the end of the wedding where he's had a lot to drink and he's like very very emotional, and you. For me, you realize that he's he's in on it too. Like he's done, like he's done it for a reason for his for his grandmother. But I, like f- with but for the relationship between them, I I think it was probably genuine because there are a few times where they like they hold hands or they that scene in the in the graveyard where they're not praying but they're speaking to the grandfather, and she gives the she gives the groom like this look like this sideways look. And I felt like they did have some sort of relationship. But I think the question is, were they, mar- you know, were they ready for marriage or not? That, I guess that's the next, that's another question.
0: <laughs> Speaking of that scene, the Tomb Sweeping Day is an important festival in China. And I've heard and seen them doing the burning of the money where they buy, they buy fake paper money and they offer it as a sacrifice by burning it for their ancestors. But in the film, and I hadn't i I've never seen people do this before, but I'm sure this is a thing, where they bought paper iPhones and iPads and I've heard about set it. those on yeah. fire. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, I have a feeling that a long, long time ago, like when we first started the podcast, I think we had like a we we brought it up in one of the episodes because I I seem to recall reading an article about, um, you know, having shops where you could buy, like, these paper, you know, as you say, iPhones and iPads and things.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. The one thing I would know about the afterlife is that I do not need an iPad. <laughs> 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 this was really funny to think, like, oh, that's the essential thing that you're going to need. What has happened to our society?
1: <laughs> um, Mike
0: asked about it being,
1: like, this about it being a comedy, like, I didn't feel like it was a comedy. I, I might call it, like, a black comedy. Like, there were elements of, like, dark humour where you laugh, but it's, you know, you're not really supposed to. Where the and, and I feel like that scene in the in the graveyard was one of those scenes where there's, there's, there was humour there, but it was, like, uncomfortable, and you're almost laughing, like, to cover the fact that, you know, it's, like, a really, you know, important and also sad sad time I guess
0: I also I found it funny just because it was so accurate in a lot of things and it was just like as I was watching it I was like oh that is classically Chinese and so it was fun Mm -hmm. to see those elements on film portrayed so accurately but I agree with you I don't think that the themes were meant to be humorous at all Mm -hmm. in terms of the you know It wasn't a joke that they didn't tell her. And that's not something that's so outrageously uncommon in China. And the same with the the wedding. That just really fit and I think is not something that was so outlandish that it was meant to be hilarious.
1: Yeah, I think that's... I, I agree. Yeah.
0: So I have the Chinese word of the show. And I chose one that is in the film's Chinese name. So the film is called The Farewell in English. Yeah. Um, but in Chinese, it's called tā," and that's mm-hmm. don't tell her. So I chose the word "biē" because this word is a really flexible and useful and commonly seen word. So they're like dà" means other, rén" means other people. Um, but then in this case, tā," "biē" means don't, like one should not do something. So Bia is very commonly seen. And if you're studying Chinese, you should definitely learn this word because you'll be able to use it quite a bit in combination with other characters. So if you want to check that out, you can go to the show notes. Holly will put a link to the page for that that character in the dictionary online. And if you are studying chinese we will be launching a new product really soon for those who are interested in studying for the mandarin proficiency exam which is called the hsk it's like a subscription where every week you'll get worksheets delivered to your inbox they're printable worksheets that you can it's kind of like adult coloring book meets chinese learning book so you kind of sketch in your ideas for remembering the character and there's space there to practice your handwriting it shows you the strokes for writing the characters gives you that definition so you kind of create your own Chinese dictionary that has all of your mnemonic devices for how to remember the characters and gives you a chance to practice and kind of draw a little bit to help your brain associate the meaning of the character so keep your eyes on writtenchinese.com for that that's going to be coming very soon yeah absolutely actually
1: if you want to um if you want to like hear about it when it's when it's launched like immediately on the homepage on writtenchinese.com there is a, a, a like a a, a pop up in the right hand bottom corner and if you subscribe there you'll get when we launch you'll get like the first email you'll be like the first to hear about it so yeah go there if you want to if you're interested
0: yeah and for those of you who are learning chinese who are thinking about coming to china let us know what we can do to help you on your way like is there some resources that are missing from your life that you hope were out there we want to help create those for you or at least help you find those so feel free to drop us a line on our facebook page two white chicks it's spelled t-w-o or you can go to the website or you can leave us a an email support at written chinese.com
1: yeah absolutely and if you've got a question for us um you can go to written chinese.com slash voicemail we really appreciate mike leaving us a voicemail message um but of course if you if you don't fancy that you can just leave us a question on written chinese.com or as nara said you can get us at uh, support at dot chinese.com and leave your question there too
0: all right i think that's it from us for now have a good week everybody yeah
1: check us out next time uh this is the end of the Two White Chicks in China podcast.
0: Bye. Bye.